You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. I'll be your guide as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me today, Kim is back from Lesbertarian, which is always exciting, especially since, you know, Kim, you and I started this show together back in 2016. This is um, true. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad that you're you're doing this again with me, because it's great. But today we have a special guest on the show, Miss uh Miss Suzanne Sherman from the Wasatch Report. And the she's also known as the the red hot chili prepper, and today I just wanted to have her on because I have known her for even longer than I've known Kim since we were in the same um, I guess I'll say I'll jokingly say neo Confederate groups, <laughs> <laughs> but no, just constitutional groups. Yeah, I think that's where I met her. Actually, is in one of those groups too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, just uh, welcome to the show. Suzanne. Well, I'm delighted to finally be here with you. Thank you. Yeah, we, we tried this, I think, three years ago, too. And we some things went south and we couldn't get it to work. So it's like between you and Eric July, it's like makeup, <laughs> right. making up for the past. <laughs> but yeah, you're like I said, I met you through a group on Facebook called the Academy for the Study of Liberty with um, our good friend Carl Jones. Yep. That And, you know, he's the one who pushed me down the road of liberty and actually was the first person who ever mentioned the word and the word anarcho-capitalist to me. I was a stark raving slobbering neocon when I met Carl. <laughs> really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that I mean, he he pushed me towards Tom Woods. And yep. I mean, I I had already been on the Ron Paul Express before I started talking to Carl, because Carl actually worked with my dad when I was a kid. And so when we came across each other on Facebook later on, it was just, oh, hey, I know you. And then, you know, he pushed me towards uh, anarchism. So thanks, Carl. I know he's not in the same same place we are now, but no, I was going to say, <laughs> things have changed in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And, uh, you know, I, military background. Dad was a cop. You know, you kind of you kind of adapt what you know you grew up with. But brilliant, brilliant man, good friend of mine. I was actually at his house in 2015. We went on a month long motorhome trip when my boys were were younger, and I took them to sites of historical significance. And that's really what got me on the radio with all I saw at Monticello and Harper's Ferry. Montpellier, uh, Colonial Williamsburg. In fact, I got home and wrote an article about it at the behest of Kevin Goodsman because he wanted the story to come out. And he got it over to the American Conservative. And once that came out, that's when I started doing radio with a couple other friends and then got my own show on uh, Mike Church's new channel at the time, uh, the Crusade Channel. It's and it, What's so crazy is in that time period in 2015, we knew of each other. Right. And I lived... Not that far from Carl, and yet no one told me you were in town so that I could have met you in person. What a shame that would have been fun. I'll just have to come out again. <laughs> well, now I'm in Florida, so I'm very warm and far from home. <laughs> yes, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so 
one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because on social media, I mean, you're a freaking firebrand. I mean, it's 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 fun to watch when people come up against you because you're you're a lot like I am <laughs> when it comes to that. We're just like, hey, bam, here's some stuff. Deal with it. Um, but also the prepper kind of world that you live in is not one that I know. And so it's it's interesting to see. And also, I think that the people who were preppers before are, are more or less like proto agorists. And I wonder, I was just curious, do you make a connection between being prepared and being a prepper and uh, agorism and counter economics staying away from the state? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we use the term personal secession when we talk about secession, you know, in the historical context, I, I say, you know, that that isn't the only solution. I chose to personally secede without even adopting the term when my boys were young and I pulled them out of the school system. I saw it wasn't working for them. And at the time they were still in a private school. And I had thought, boy, when they get to a certain age, I'm going to put them in school and go to the gym, ride my horse, have a few hours free. And once they saw that, you know, how, how they were actually reacting to an institutionalized learning center, I decided to be a, home a full-time homeschooling mom. I gave up my law practice when my boys were really young and decided to focus my energies on that. So uh, that was my first way of getting away from the government. California has the requirements that if you're homeschooling, you have to file a certain affidavit with the state. Never did that. When I moved to Utah, I never registered with the school district here, I did everything under the radar. And I can I can talk about it now because they're past the uh, uh, age of 18. But before I had to be pretty much uh, on the quiet side with that aspect of my life. It's my favorite. Hey, we're going to go ahead and make sure you, it's like you have to uh, sign up the fact that you want to educate your children. It's like, thanks. So, you know, these are my children. I can't believe I actually have to fill out paperwork to tell you I can teach my own yeah. children. They they belong to the state. You find out very early on. I mean, when my children were first born, you know, I had I had emergency delivery, so I was in a hospital setting, and you know, they come in and take the blood from your kids, put the you know vitamin K or whatever it is they is, put the crap in their eyes, and you know, you don't have a say if you try and tell them no, you're not going to take blood out of my kid to, to to look for some you know diseases. Or they'll they'll call CPS and take them away from you. My wife is working on our fifth kid. Um, it's something that we've put a lot of thought into because all of our children so far have been hospital births just because we did not have the funds to do what we wanted to do, which mostly means I was terrified to catch a baby without someone being around that knew what they were doing. Catch a baby. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> but, I think it's a beautiful thing. I chose not to do it. Um, and it wouldn't have, I would have ended up in the hospital anyway with the first one. So um, you know, I think if you can get it done, good for you. But I, I, you know, I was an older mom. I didn't have mine until my mid to late thirties. So, well, yeah, my my wife uh, this time we've been able to uh, actually hire a midwife. So we're we're doing it at home. What's funny is we talked about how Carl pushed me towards liberty and anarchism, but my mom took me out of a private school, which my family couldn't afford anyway. Um, when I was in after seventh grade. And then she started teaching me different things, which was funny because without knowing it, she taught me, she didn't know what Austrian economics were, but she taught me Austrian economics. 
And she didn't, she didn't know that she was teaching me the non-aggression principle, but she was teaching me the non-aggression principle. And so years later when she's going full neocon on stuff and I'm, you know, arguing, I'm like, you know, you did this to yourself, right? <laughs> when I was probably in 11th or 12th grade, I had a knockdown drag out yelling match with my dad over how I thought that the, uh, the war in Iraq was wrong. And he did not agree with that assessment. And my mom was like, where did you get this? You, and I was mom. like, you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the homeschooling, getting away from the state is like my personal ideal. Like I, I don't like to use labels so much just because, well, except unless I can make one that's actually very accurate because words any of the words that you use to describe yourself these days are so loaded with meaning that you have to argue against people about what that word means before you can have a decent conversation. Right. And I was so like, I try to make it very simple. <laughs> I was just at a gathering where there were a few hundred people there last week and several of them listened to my show and read what I have to say. And one of them put his arm around me like, you know, kind of like, well, we still like you you're not really a conservative. Well, do you even know what that term means? And at this point, from what I've seen, in fact, go to my page today and there's a, there's a post I put up about Donald Trump wanting to make flag burning a federal crime punish, punishable by a, a year in prison. And you'll see exactly what we're dealing with that mindset. And, uh, you know, if that's, if that's conservatism in its purest form, I want nothing to do with it. Oh yeah. Me neither. Like, I I don't regularly burn American flags, but that is something that everyone should have the right to do whatever they want with their own belongings. Like it makes no sense to me why that would be a federal crime for because it all it amounts to is hurting people's feelings. Exactly. Which is funny because it's supposed to be the left that's all about the feelings, but the right has their feelings that you're supposedly not supposed to stomp on either, which is they're just always as been, bad. Yeah. I've always had strong feelings about the whole flag thing. It's, I also use the Bible analogy. I'm like, okay, if I, I would not do this as a Christian, if I set a Bible on fire, is Jesus going up in flame? All the Christians are going to unchristian. Everybody's going to forget Jesus existed. All Is that how that's going to happen? Like Christians suddenly lose all thought of Jesus? No, it's something that's inside you. And the fact that conservatives are so so crazy about the flag it's similar to how people think bi bibles are just super sacred you better not destroy that thing it's you if you can't see how this is a religion this whole state like state worship i don't know what could really make you see that other than the fact that this flag man if you do anything in that flag they're gonna go screaming and crying and punching well you know you mentioned you mentioned state worship i wrote an article for the 10th amendment center called the church of the national government Boy, I lost a lot of friends when I wrote that one, and Colin Kaepernick was trying to raise an issue and bring up a you know bring attention to an issue peacefully, but that wasn't good enough because it was uh, apparently disrespectful to the national hymn. Well, the problem wasn't addressed, was it? And look where we are now. Well, and it's like calling it a religion is just spot on. I mean, it's like if if we did any like if it if it wasn't something that we were indoctrinated from a young age to do like the stories we hear about George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or whatever. If we repeated these stories without indoctrination, people would be like, 
Are you okay, dude? You're you're you're, you're singing a song to a piece of cloth. What's going on right now? Yeah. Are you all right? And so for me, I I, I know Kim's the same way, um, but I I am a Christian. I'm and I am very strongly Christian, and so the concept of having a flag in my house like that is anathema to me. I won't do it. I don't And that's something that I'm, yeah, I, I'm sure that that will make some people who listen to this unhappy, but you know, I'm fine with that. Um, also, if I see one in or over a church, like I can't handle it. Like it, it, if there's a national holiday on a weekend, I will not go to church if I don't know for sure that they're not going to be singing national hymns in church. I won't do it. And so, like, when it comes to burning flags, I mean, if you see it as an idol, more power to you. Burn the thing. If you need to get rid of that idol out of your life, set it on fire. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Yeah, and, you know, me as a prepper, I, I don't I don't burn flags. I, I Not because it's disrespectful. I don't own them. In fact, when I bought my property, there was a flagpole, and the gentleman who owned the property asked if he could take that one with him because it had some sentimental value. And I said, sure, replace it. I never put the new flagpole up because I can't think other than maybe a pirate flag, what kind of flag I'd want to hoist up there <laughs> anyway. So, and, and then as far as burning one, to me, you're wasting a resource. I'm a prepper. Cloth has a lot of value. You can use it for a lot of things. Water filtration, gathering materials. You can use Wiping it. Wiping my butt. Uh, so there you go. So I, I, to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw one away. Um, I would hang on to it because you never know when you're going to need that cloth. And one, one thing somebody said to me today was, you know, you can, you can still like the symbol of your, of your country and, and like, and, you know, the thing is, I'm not talking, this was the context of the Pledge of Allegiance, for instance. If you like the flag, but can't differentiate the words of a socialist and take that apart from it, then you've been completely indoctrinated. And a friend of mine said, well, I don't see the problem with it, even if it's false. And if you don't see the problem with being taught something that's false for the benefit of the government in a government school, then you have been bamboozled and you should see, you know, you should see a problem with the fact that children are future leaders. I hate that term, but that's what they are until we can change things. Ugh are being taught this. And when I actually, speaking of Carl Jones, to back this up a little bit, a couple of years ago, I was uh, on the panel at an SCV uh, education conference. Brian McClanahan was one of the other speakers there as well. And I had mentioned, and this kind of touched a nerve because a lot of the members are uh, veterans and they, they like that flag. You know, that means a lot to them. They, they fought under it. I said, here's the problem with the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, we're not talking about the flag. We're talking about the Pledge of, the Le of Allegiance written by a devout socialist for the intention of indoctrinating children into big government. I said, once the kids learn this, the words indivisible are going to stick in their heads. So when it comes time to discuss what the schools refer to as the Civil War, and we know it wasn't a civil war, once they start to learn about that topic, they are actually under the impression already they're going to have a preconceived notion that the CSA was in the wrong because this was an individual nation, an indivisible nation, I beg your pardon. So that's the problem with it. Well, yeah, and I think that it in recent days, it has become so much clearer that what this quote-unquote nation needs 
is an amicable divorce. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I with the the beautiful ideological self segregation that's going on right now, <laughs> like it, we're going more and more towards this realization that you and you and I, we can't live in the same place, especially if you're trying to tell me how to live my life. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was like, you just uh, reminded me. I'm like, isn't it just a little bit weird that we're now in a place in life where now the way to solve race, racism apparently is to start segregating all of ourselves. I mean, isn't that a little backwards and weird? <laughs> There's that place in Oregon now that is giving non-whites the opportunity. They're, they're exempt from wearing a mask in public. What? Oh, I'm old enough to remember when uh, COVID-19 was disproportionately affecting black people. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm going to see if I can find the article <laughs> yep. we're talking but I, for, because they used it, I think the premise was it was something that they were scary with the masks on or they'd be picked on. But I'm thinking my take from it was what they're saying is black people are scary if you put a bandana on them. That's essentially the gist of it. Yeah, we look like criminals is what they're trying to say. It's like if you put a black person in a mask. That's racist as shit. Girl, you're halfway there. You just you just need the bandana. So what I'm thinking is So what I'm thinking is there's going to come a time when only white people are going to have to wear these masks. Imagine a time and place in history, I don't know if this has ever happened when one segment of society was forced to wear a mask or a label on them at all times. Hmm. Hmm, I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it a star. That'll be pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I am curious though, like what what led to being a prepper? Like what what were the the dominoes that fell that made you go, "You know what? I can't do it at all." Yeah. I've, I've got to get ready for the end. Um, you know, and that's not what I that's not why I prepped was to get ready for the end. I grew up in California. And, uh, you know, when you're learning, <laughs> San Francisco is my hometown, if you can believe that. So and this was funny, going back <laughs> to the SCV education conference in Alabama, Carl introduced me as a lawyer from San Francisco with the last name Sherman. <laughs> 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 so um, I, I, I ended up actually winning them over and got a, a, a completely spontaneous standing ovation when we were done. But the thing is, what got me into preparedness was growing up there and you're hearing about plate tectonics and California's eventually going into the ocean. Thank God. I, what? <laughs> I know, not soon enough. So what happened was I, I was freaked out about that as a kid. And as I grew up, I understood the you know concept of plate tectonics. And sadly, it wasn't going to happen in my lifetime. But we still had earthquakes to deal with. And I never really got prepared. I always knew I should. But once I became a mom, something triggered me to take care of these boys. So and my yeah. family. So I thought, okay, we live in earthquake country. I had a plan for where we live, backup place if something happened, if a major earthquake hit. Started putting little emergency bags away, shoes by the bed, things like that. So earthquake preparedness. Well, what if it's going to be a really big one and it's hard to get some food? Putting up extra food. I had plenty of land. Somebody said, you should start growing things. Oh my gosh, I can't. No, it's really easy. So I started doing that, learning about gardening. And then I had to learn different ways to pres preserve my, my harvest because, you know, it was really easy to grow stuff out there. And it became 
a really fun hobby. I got my kids involved. They played in the mud and planted the food. They liked picking. And uh, once I started following, I think, the political realm more, and thanks to people like Carl and, and you and that group, the Academy, boy, I started learning things weren't really what I was taught in school, let alone law school. And I thought, well, what else have they lied about? And if they're lying this much, maybe maybe I need to start paying attention to, you know, the farther picture, what's going to happen further out. This was after 9-11. And also there was a case that went before the Ninth, uh, ninth District Court about uh, students wearing American flags at Live Oak High School on Cinco de Mayo. There was a big protest right by my house. I didn't know how violent it was going to get. There are a lot of gang members, a lot of gangs out in that area. This was by Gilroy, California. So I just decided I had a feeling that things were going to get worse uh, politically, economically. So I decided to leave California. Plus, it was getting very expensive. And by that time, I was in full prepper mode. And I thought, okay, now I want to turn it up a notch. I want more land. I want to be remote. And I want to be in a place where I can live indefinitely if the fecal matter hits the fan. So uh, that's how I ended up finding this place out here. I'm in a very remote area. My neighbors are a half a mile away. I learned to hunt. I learned to butcher and preserve my own meat. And I have raised beds and gardening out here. I raised chickens. So what started as a fun hobby ended up a, a change, a complete total change in my lifestyle. And now with everything going on, I'm kind of saying to the people that thought I was nuts, who's laughing now? <laughs> right. That's one of the things that's been so crazy lately is just uh, so much unrest. And I was talking to, do you know who Monica Perez is? Mm. Her name's familiar. She has a show called The Propaganda Report. Okay. Um, and I, ha I had her on the show two episodes ago, or three, uh, according to when this will be released. Um, but she was talking about how she's having, cause she's, she was in Atlanta and she lost her job for, uh, on the radio for questioning, uh, coronavirus. I do know who she is. Yes. And so she, the, the, when I was talking to her the other day, after we got off, she was, cause she had talked about how she wants to look into agorism more and she needs to learn how to, how to grow a tree. And I was like, you need to talk to my oh, friend, yeah. Suzanne. You know what? She was on my <laughs> friends list before I got Banish. In fact, Alan Mosley calls me Facebook Jesus. I keep coming back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like I, I read an article just this afternoon. Like you were talking about how there was trouble around students wearing mm -hmm. American flag shirts. And I came across an article. I sent it to Kim. They're changing the name of their students' ID cards from the freedom card to the RMU ID card because allegedly it makes people of color that go to the school uh, feel dehumanized. The word freedom? The word freedom. I don't know how the word freedom, which their ancestors were freed, <laughs> and somehow that's insulting. Okay. Kim, are you triggered? Are you triggered right I'm now? I'm triggered at how stupid that is. I'm like, really? I'm like, I, I yeah. love me some freedom. Give me that freedom. <laughs> Yeah, where do they come up with this? Well, and also, another thing that came out today was the FBI's report on, mm -hmm. uh, what's his name, Bubba something? Yeah, a NASCAR fake driver? Oh, the yeah. fake noose. <laughs> an, an, another fake noose. Like, 
you know that we that we as a quote unquote nation are in a tailspin where when you hear a story about a especially a celebrity or higher profile black person finding a noose, you immediately go, I doubt that. Yeah. Because <laughs> typically in the past you'd go, oh man, that's awful. I can't believe that happened. But how many nooses, fake nooses do there have to be before we just go, okay, obviously this tactic doesn't work. It's always a celebrity too. I'm all like, well, shouldn't we be seeing nooses all over the place? Well, it's like that's, I forget where it was, but there was, there were a string of hangings. Oh, yeah. yes. I was just going to mention that. Of black men and one Mexican guy that happened recently. Lynchings. And they're like, in the way the article read was with Trump's racism and everything that's going on, there have been more hangings of young black men. And if you actually go into the article, it talks about how four out of five were ruled to be suicide. And the one they didn't know for sure, but it looked like there was no struggle. And so it's like you read the it's it's the classic example of the corporate press being factual but not truthful. But it and they also talked in that thing about how oh well, you know, people are finding nooses in trees around the area. And it's weird that my first thought after Jesse Smollett and this other guy was I don't believe no. it. I think that that's just a tactic more than anything. There may be some out there, but I feel like that's just a surefire way to fire well, people up. Well, and it up. makes headlines, but then when it turns out that it's false, there's crickets. You know, I don't know if you remember this. This was, gosh, maybe 10 years ago. <clears throat> I think it was out in Michigan, all over the news. White, white right-wing extremists, militias are planning to set off bombs at police officers' funerals. Okay, first of all, these are the people that are the classical bootlickers. They would never do that. But it was all over, all over the news. But when it turned out that the person that got the attention to the FBI were FBI informants, and these people, all, all the charges were dismissed, there was nothing said about it in the news. I mean, you really had to do your digging to find out that that had happened in the first place. But I think it was that evil man Carl Rove that said once you get something out there you cannot unring that bell. There are more fake nooses out there than there are real ones and it's we live in such a weird and bizarre timeline. Like I don't even know what to do with it anymore. <laughs> the mask has dropped so quickly on like the corporate press and on the left that it's I don't know how there are people who are still like oh yeah this is totally real. Oh yeah th this is what we're dealing with. Yes D Donald Trump is a horrible racist blah blah blah. How do people take that seriously when they see all of the fake, like the, the guy in Mississippi, the black dude that burnt down his own right. church and wrote Trump on the side? Like, I'm, how many of these false flag domestic things, how many have to happen before we start going, I can't trust this? You know, I think, okay, this is going to, I'm going to sound like a nutso philosopher here, but I think the problem is, is I don't think many people are going to see it because the... One of the points of making sure that you have a nice docile population is to make sure they cannot use any sort of logical ra or rational right. thought. So everything is based on emotions. You can feel whatever. So as long as you have taught people not to sit down and be rational, and I'm not even talking just logic. It's logic, of course, but talking about sit down and have rational thought and think something all the way through. Not Critical thought. Yeah, critical thought. Not even because, I mean, we, me and... Cam, we've talked about it. Even libertarians have the problem of they'll logic and rash, like they'll rationalize out to a point until they decide, okay, that's true. That's a truth. That's fact. I'm not going to go any further. But 
people are being taught that it's what they feel. And when you have a population that can only feel things, well, what do you really think they're going to think? That's we're we're in the perfect time now. They've been trying to craft this whole thing for a long time and it's paying off for them. Well, I mean, when you have control of the schools and all of education, that's the that's the result. People will buy any line of bullshit that you give them. Well, and you know, it even goes through, uh, I wrote an article for the Abbeville Institute. In fact, when I was in Dallas for a symposium on secession and nullification, Don Livingston personally asked me to write this because we're all having dinner. And I was talking about what happened in the legal education industry. You know, we are taught that the, the, the 10th Amendment is essentially null and void and when we're studying for the bar exam, we're taught for purposes of, effect, of, of efficiency to, uh, for the multiple choice format of the test, when there's ever a choice between the 10th Amendment and the 14th Amendment, to always go with the 14th Amendment. You don't even have to read the question because it's always right. Here's the problem. In every fact pattern, the 14th Amendment was always wrong according to the Constitution as ratified. So now when they have these constitutional crises and they march their little expert out on even the conservative, the faux-servative Fox News Network. They start analyzing how to solve these problems according to the Constitution. They get it wrong every single time because they always have a solution that's going to have to come from the president or the Republicans, the people that were never entrusted or never delegated that power to solve those problems in the first place. So case in point with Donald Trump's suggestion that Congress pass a law banning or making uh, criminalizing burning the flag punishable by a year in prison. Um, I ha I'm trying to lead somebody along in this discussion where I said, they said, well, fine, you're, how about they enforce laws against looting and arson? I said, well, that's fine if it comes from the state level. It's not a federal issue. So you just advocate doing all this. I said, no, I don't advocate any of it. I never did. But I got blocked before the conversation could get very far. In fact, we're going to do a show about that tomorrow. But this is an example of what you were talking about, of just pure emotional driven discussions. And some people you just cannot reach. They will not hear you. Well, yeah, people try to find comfort and safety. And once they do, they stop there. Yes, and so that's why, I mean, I talk about the red pill probably too much. I <laughs> just was about to say that. Just about to say, yeah. But, but the blue pill is comfort. It's, it's you're safe. Oh, the, the government gives you safety. You don't have to worry about those terrorists that are, that we're going to come over here until we attacked Iraq. You know, I mean, people want to feel safe and, their logic extends to that point or to the end point of their indoctrination. And there's a vast amount of indoctrination that goes on daily, even for adults. I mean, between the corporate press and Hollywood, how are we not indoctrinated daily unless we unplug it yeah, or know the difference, at, can see the source well, code? Before football games, you know, with the, the fighter jets flying over the stadiums and, ever, and cheering, I think people take comfort in knowing that our American military is bombing the bejesus out of people in faraway places that are never going to harm us. In fact, I, I had a discussion on my show the other day. I said, let's talk about perspective a little bit. Breitbart had an article where Brett Farr compared, I think it was Pat Tillman to Colin Kaepernick. Is that how you say his name? I don't. I don't listen. Kaepernick, to stuff. I think. Kaepernick. Yeah, that's Kaepernick. what I was saying. Douchebag, something. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I said they were comparing him to Pat Tillman. And, and of course, the conservatives' minds were, you know, the heads were exploding over that. And as I mentioned earlier, look, he tried to peacefully raise this issue. I don't make it a racial issue. I think we have a statist problem. We have a law yeah. enforcement and a government problem, not we have a, a power racial problem. Yes, not. And, and by calling it a racist problem, doesn't that give the government a nice little pass? They can hide in the corner, kind of watch, you know, watch the drama unfold while they get a complete pass. But I said, you know. Colin, we're just going to call him Colin, <laughs> was <laughs> trying to raise this issue of people being harassed, intimidated, shaken down, taken down, killed by law enforcement. I call them the crown's henchmen. And it's getting to be a real problem. Police brutality overreach has been an issue for some time. We had a chance to address it. But too many people were more upset because they, again, as I said earlier, the national hymn was being disrespected. The military was being disrespected. My, my religion. Yeah, he was trying to address an issue we have here. Tillman, the hero, went overseas to kill people that never did anything to us. Oh, he was in Afghanistan. They sponsored terrorism. We're playing the total victim here, ignoring, we're, we're putting it in a vacuum, ignoring all of what we call in the in, in law, the totality of the circumstances. But from their perspective, here's a white guy coming over here from the United States, from the other side of the world, and killing members of our family or having the intention to do so. So one's going to be a hero, one's going to be a villain, and they're interchangeable depending on your position. People don't want to hear that. I think if you want to watch a conservative's brain explode, my favorite thing to do is when they complain about Colin Kaepernick, you go, okay, so let's say that Colin Kaepernick wasn't protesting um, racial police violence, but rather was protesting the laws of the United States that allow unfettered access to abortion. Or, or, or open borders. Right. If he was, abortion really does him in because that's a really strong, that there's a lot of emotion behind yeah. it. Like I did it to my mom. I said, mom, if, if you saw the, 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 the flag of the United States as the country that is fine with abortion up until nine months in birth, would you feel the same way about Colin Kaepernick if he was saying, we need to take this time to look at how we treat unborn humans and she couldn't answer because that's that's my my mom's life's work is helping women who've had abortions you know we we had a we had a discussion yesterday with my friend mark Preslin's on my show and he made a really good point He's isn't awesome, he fantastic i do like mark yeah mark is awesome he had said politics eventually will make a hypocrite out of everybody and I'm going to confess to here, it made me, it made a hypocrite out of me the other day. I would say, I am not wearing any one of those stinking masks. The only time I wear a mask is when I'm cleaning my chicken coop. Well, it's been about six months since I've had a haircut. <laughs> I couldn't stand it anymore. <laughs> so I went to this little place in Park City and Summit County is just a little mini version of California. So they're still requiring masks to get haircuts pedicures, whatever. I'm not getting manicures, pedicures. I refuse to wear a mask. I needed to get my hair cut. Have to wear a mask. So I asked them, is this your policy or is this a mandate from the health department? No, it's from the health department. We can't wait till this ends. We're so sorry. 
Now, I know some people that will say, well, they should just ignore it. Okay, then guys with guns are going to show up and shut you down and kill you if you resist. So here was a super nice gal, didn't like the policy. And you know what? Even if it was their policy and she said, you know, I'm so sorry, but I've got a mom I'm taking care of who's really sick and I need to do everything I can. Obviously, it's arguable whether the masks are effective, but in my heart, I feel like this is the best thing. And we have that conversation. I would put the mask on. But here I was. I went from saying I'm never going to wear one to, you know what, maybe I need to think about this and make a very small concession. I won't shop with one. I won't do that. But I realized, you know what, I'll admit I, I made an exception to my hard rule. And I don't think that there's any anything wrong with making that concession if it means, you know, respecting or taking care of someone who has legitimate concerns. So like, yeah. I will not go into a store wearing a mask. Yeah. I will not, I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. However, when my little girl who is 15 months old split open between her toes and I had to take her to the hospital, yep. I put on a mask. It was a kid's mask and it looked freaking hilarious, <laughs> but I did it because I love her, you know? Sure. I wasn't going to let her bleed because of because of that. And I don't think it makes anyone a hypocrite because there are people out there who are struggling to make ends meet and struggling to keep their businesses going because of these government regulations and this government overreach over this coronavirus thing. And, you know, if I want to support my tattoo artist or if I want to support the the guy who sells liquor down the street privately and he says, you have to wear this because otherwise I can't do business at all. I don't mind dealing with dealing with that so that that person can put food on his table. Yeah. And that's that was my take, too. But if the government tells me I have to do it, screw off. Yeah, exactly. We're just going to pass. We're going to pass over the fact that Suzanne just said she went to go get a haircut. And there's probably a Karen that's about to sneak up on her in a little bit and take her out of this podcast. You know what? It was it was. um. <laughs> It was a place called Sport Clips. I think it was like a guy place. They had sports on everywhere and they wrapped a hot towel around your face. I didn't have a beard, but it felt good anyway. <laughs> I just wanted to get my hair cut. I don't really don't care. But oh, I, I had a Karen approach me in Whole Foods. And yeah, she got near full, you know, not, I mean, she's like, if you're going the wrong way. I said, oh my God, now we're all going to die. <laughs> well, and that I think is like the worst part of this are those smug assholes who think that they should be able to tell you what to do because they're not comfortable yes. with something. That's like, there's an app called Nextdoor. I'm sure you don't have it since you're a prepper. I think I've heard of it though. Yes, I have heard of that. I'm familiar with it. It's a hellhole because people who were like 30 years old were going on there being like, well, I went into Publix the other day and only one third of the people were wearing masks. And how selfish do you, shut yeah. up. Is this, is this the Soviet Union why are you telling on people? What is wrong with you? Here's a little bit of a spin from what's going out here in Utah. The Mormon church has come out uh, across the state encouraging Utahns to wear face coverings. And this is the justification. We, the undersigned faith community leaders, appeal to people of faith all over the state to wear masks and practice social distancing, sacrificing a small measure of comfort for the sake of saving lives, we recall that the greatest commandment is to love God. The second is like unto it to love one's neighbor as oneself. One cannot claim to one's love one's neighbor while deliberately putting them at risk. Uh -huh. I just, it, it, 
<laughs> it's just painful. I just find it amazing that the people that you will talk to week in and week out at church who talk about faith and believing that God can heal anyone and can protect, shut down the churches and told people to stop going to church immediately. Like, I'm, I, I'm not saying there isn't some wisdom in doing certain things, but it's like you would think that the one people who claim divine providence— would be like, mm-hmm. you know what? We're not going to shut down the church because we believe that we can do this intelligently. And they've been the most compliant. I oh, would yeah. think that after after all the pundits came out and did their mental gymnastics saying, well, clearly the health of the community and the health of the African-Americans, I hate that term, the health of the Af- African-Americans. De- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, it depends on them being to get out and protest this. So the virus is either deadly and worthy of a worldwide pandemic, shutting down the economy, ruining people's lives, or it isn't. And I said this before the hypocrisy of the protests and what they were doing, you know, how they handled that. And I've said from the very beginning, if this thing is as deadly as they say it is, there should not be one single airplane in the sky right now. Right? How? Like, I just assumed that planes were were grounded because that's the logical conclusion and they're not right no and they got a huge bailout and boeing's still going to be doing layoffs (laughs) (sighs) makes your head hurt doesn't it but you know we we talked briefly about pat tillman who you had you actually thank god you jogged my memory about who that was yeah because I, i i never remember that the I think that America's favorite serial killer is Chris Kyle. But moving from there. <laughs> Kaboom. Um, no, like it made me think about blowback in what we're yes. dealing with now. I talked about this with um, Monica Perez briefly. But if you look at what's going on with the unrest due to the George Floyd murder and then Rayshard Brooks murder and everything that's going on with police shooting more people in this block of time than they normally do, like I think it's like three times more or something like that. I just made the statement that what we're seeing right now is domestic blowback. And not only that, with the cops doing more and more people dying than normal, I believe that we're in a blowback loop. I think that until someone makes a concession... We're stuck in this. This loop. is exactly what I told Mark Kresslins the other day. We we're having a private conversation, and this was before everything just went insane with the social justice rhetoric. I said, I see this as brush fires of freedom. These protests, this is when it first started happening. These protests, people are sick and tired of government. We're not sick of hating each other because of the color of our skin. We're sick and tired of government, and people are protesting. But like the Occupy Wall Street, movement, which started as a legitimate argument against the Fed and fiat currency, it was immediately hijacked by the Soros and the, and the you know, those kind of the neo-Marxist contingency. Take a crisis that has a legitimate, valid meaning, a real, uh, a, a topic that needs to be covered, and let's bastardize it and turn it into something that's going to take attention away from the real root of the problem. Right. Well, and, and that's that's another thing that I've talked about is the left right now, like defund the police, the just everything that they seem to be doing right now is a bastardization of the things that you, me and Kim mm-hmm. have been saying for years. Ugh. 
it's like it's like it's like defund the police oh but but not really defund them really we want to move it into social services and blah 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 and it's almost delegitimizing and they'll still kill you right (laughs) you're still you could still be a duncan limp and it's like that was one of the things that was crazy to me is yes duncan limp was white do you know the duncan limp story suzanne yes shot in his bed he was sound asleep we have that go on and white people are so cucked by the government that they see something like that happen and they go, oh, that's a tragedy. That's sad. And that's it. Maybe it's because there wasn't released dash or not dash cam. What's the call? The body cam footage of it. Right. But how is it that white people are just like, oh, well, you know, that's the cost of doing business when it comes to government. I had a discussion with some people out at this gathering that I was with. And essentially, the argument boiled down to, if you're not doing anything wrong, you don't need to worry. Oh, I God, said, I hate that. What about Brianna? Was it Brianna? Brianna Taylor. Holly, Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, Brianna Taylor. Tell that to her. Huh? Who's that? Maybe you shouldn't have these discussions if you don't know any of the facts. And then it was, well, I don't care if they're wrong and you shouldn't be in it. If you're being arrested and you didn't do anything Settle it in court. Okay, I practiced criminal defense. Well, also tell that to Daniel Shaver. Yes, that was another one. Tell that to him. He did everything right. That guy was a sadistic bastard. We saw what was on his gun. He was looking for an opportunity. And he now gets a pension because he has PTSD from shooting a guy in cold blood. I'll tell you what. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but if that were if, if uh, that were my kid that was gunned down in the hall, mm-hmm. I feel you. I do. Yeah, yeah. And then it was we'll settle it in court again. Daniel Shaver never got his day in court. How dare and you, when you say do that? Do go to court. Yes, settle and, and, it in okay, court. If, I... if you don't get a public defender, it will cost you thousands. It will ruin your life if you are already struggling. Uh, it, you know, when I was, gosh, this was 20 something years ago when I was practicing back then a jury trial, they were charging almost $2,000 a day for that. Who's going to pay that jury selection can go on for an entire week. Then you've got the trial. People don't have that their day in court. What did they do? They will take a plea and have a conviction of the records just because they have no other choice. The criminal justice system, the good thing about this, because people are saying, oh, what's going to happen if we defund the police? Did you hear what happened in Colorado? They got rid of um, uh, qualified immunity for police officers. They can be held personally liable now for that egregious abuse of behavior. And a friend of mine said, well, now nobody's going to want to be a police officer. Good. Thank God. Good. Good. This might be the best thing ever. Freaking perfect. And you know what? If, If we have... A, a shortage of law enforcement officers. If we have to free up some time, maybe let's take out these bullshit window tinting laws and all this other crap that they're, you know, putting back life, liberty, property. Stop with the moral police. Stop with the non, you know, no, no victim, no crime. If there is no victim, why are we putting people in prison over plants or anything like that? Colorado, as we know, did legalize uh, recreational marijuana. I love going to Colorado. <laughs> So is Vegas. <laughs> Amen. Yes, Vegas. Not to mention, if if the the amount of police are lowered, that opens up some free market possibilities. Yep. Suddenly, people are like, you know what? I do feel like I need protection. Maybe one of these police officers that quit 
maybe we'll hire him to be our full-time bodyguard in our neighborhood. And he'll know us, and we'll see him every day. Or I wouldn't want a cop, because to hell with that. But you know yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I would love to have like, a community uh, where you say, hey, you know, you're a medical doctor. Maybe you can take care of that. I think we mentioned this earlier. Or uh, you're, you've been trained in firearms. I've had probably 100 hours with Lou Auerbach, who was uh, used to work with Colonel Jeff Cooper. I had some fantastic firearms training. I would happily help provide security, you know. And, and for me, where I live, I'm telling you, police won't get here fast. And they, they know it. No. They know it. I, I mean, I had a conversation with an SO once and he said, oh, no, you got to do what you got to do out there. In fact, when I started, when I was looking at this house, I asked the owner of it, um, you know, I'm going to be here with my boys, a safe neighborhood. And he goes, let me tell you something. Nobody out here calls the police. If you have a problem, you call your neighbors and they will all show up. And then he and then yeah. he laughs and go, then you especially don't call the police. You know, you live in an area where you can take <laughs> care of yourselves. And, and the, the reliance, you know, people think that, well, if the police are defunded, what will we do? Well, let's, let's let them focus on the stuff that really matters instead of having them, you know, act like road pirates. Well, and I, I had that conversation. I briefly talked about this with Monica. I had that conversation with my mom because she was like, can you believe these people want to defund police? You don't believe in that, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I've been wanting to defund the police for the last 10 years. What are you talking about? That is what I want. And she was like, well, then how would that look? How would we live without police? I'm like, you really think that if someone comes to your house with a gun, the police are going to get there fast right. enough to save you? And she was like, well, no, not, not, not now that I think of it like that. And I'm like, first off, you're your first responder. They're like 17th right. responders. Secondly, how great would it be if you had a paid security team in your neighborhood, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, who if something like that happened, you go, you call that number, and they're th there within 30 seconds. I hope you can put them on layaway. What's better? Some yeah. of us are real poor. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, of course, the, the market, I'm sure there'd be there'd make a way. I mean, people who, like developers, would want to make that a part of what they do, or it'd be a part of your rent. They yeah, we've lived in money, apartment so they, places you know, that have make security. Yeah, they maybe buzz through once or twice a night, but that could always be, you know, that could always be changed and everybody contributes to that. So uh, I, I hope it's, what we have now is certainly not working. I'm just seeing a story that came across mm -hmm. now. Uh, Lewis, a uh, Louisville detective was fired over the killing of Breonna Taylor. Good. Great. Now sue the pants off of him. Make him pay for the rest of his life. Yeah. Restitution, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, and then George Floyd. I mean, come on. <laughs> if you want to be a good cop, resign. Well, I love what Higgs said. You know, what Robert Higgs said, every law enforcement officer goes to enforce all laws, regardless of whether they're moral, ethical, pursuit of any kind of safety or justice, any, any legitimate reason for whatsoever. And he says, therefore, all cops are bad. I don't say that. I like to not point with a bad brush, but we, ha we have a really uh, flawed system here. The criminal justice system, remember, I used to practice criminal defense. So here I am. I've got my client coming in, private counsel. My first obligation is, guess what? Not to my client. My ultimate obligation, my duty lies with the court, not my client. The judge is an employee of the government. Yeah. The clerk, the bailiff who greets them at the door, 
the prosecutor and the juries are all shit are all scared shitless of everybody in there. I want to go back into court one day and when they do that all rise bullshit, I'm going to sit my happy butt down in that chair and not get up. (laughs) (laughs) And when that judge says or bailiff says you need to stand up, why? Show respect for the court. Why? He's he's. He's just a lawyer in a government-issued costume, just like me. In fact, I'm paying his salary. In fact, you stand up for me and say thank you. (laughs) Say thank you while you're at it. And they call it contempt of court. Give me one reason not to have contempt of this this process. One, I I can't come up with one. They've earned our contempt. Yes. But, and and you're right, like, I I don't typically go out there and talk about how all everyone who's a police officer is bad because I know that there are a lot of people who've fully bought into the idea that police are good. Exactly. There are people just like the people who enter the military. They think that they're going over there to be heroes. That's what they've been indoctrinated to think. They've been sold a bill of goods, but that's what they've been indoctrinated to think. However, to be logically consistent, I will say once they put on that uniform, they are no longer good. Yeah, because they are doing evil. I mean, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't like to go too hard on this, but I, my common sense today, when I was driving home, I got hit by by a car. I got uh, rear-ended. There was like no damage to my car. There was some damage to the the people that hit me. We pulled over into the bank parking lot, and I got out and I surveyed the damage. Didn't see anything worth sneezing at. And I looked at them and it was a black couple. And I was like, it looks like you got the brunt of this. It looks like you're the one who's going to have to pay for anything that goes on. I'm fine. I don't want to deal with the cops. I don't want them around any of us right now. If you're cool with that, I'm cool to drive off. Yeah. And they were like, you could tell how what just relieved they were. Because first off, no one hears sirens and goes, I'm safer. Right. And secondly, right now, the 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 environment that we're living in, I couldn't imagine doing that to someone like I will not call the cops on someone like I, I won't do it at all, really. But if you if I could drive any point home to anyone who listens to this show is if you decide to call the cops, you need to be perfectly okay with and accept the fact that you may be killing that person. Because you see what happens when escalation happens. You see what happens when someone fights for their rights. They come with guns. Who was the gal in, in Houston? The gal in Houston, they did a welfare check. Her door was open. What'd they do? Rather than going to this front door asking what was wrong, they went through the gate into the side, saw her standing in her bedroom and shot her. Shot her. Well, we killed her. Well, we, we don't know if she's okay or not. We do. She ain't. <laughs> Thank you. Right. If you don't take that into consideration, you have no business calling the police. I, I want people to stop and think before they call the jackbooted thugs to take care of their problems. That's all I want <laughs> at this point. That's like my minimum bar. Please stop and think. Yeah. Think about whose life you might be ending. Pointing the police at someone is like pointing a, a loaded gun at someone. You don't do it unless you're you're bound and determined to kill that person. 
Which is a real sad story because technically in a world where we didn't have this craziness, those are the people you should be calling. Especially if you don't have a gun, you should be able to go, oh, I should call the cops. That's their job to protect me. Which is a super sad story. That's where we're at. Backwards ass world. I'm old enough to remember back in the day when they were called peace officers. You know, there was a TV show I used to watch with my dad called Adam 12. And two cops going around trying to help people out. They were good guys getting only the legit bad guys. And, and they didn't have all the body armor. They had that regular cap on their head. It was just a completely different look. I like to refer people to Radley Balka's book. I'm sure you're familiar with it, Rise of the Warrior Cop, and the militarization of the police. And not only the police, but even administrative agencies. I mean, for crying out loud, if you're selling raw milk, you can get a SWAT team at your farm. Well, yeah. And if you if you look at it, like I did a series on Waco that if you haven't listened to it, I, I really... I, really I will. Hope you do, but <laughs> the the what's it? Uh, ATF was a part of the Treasury Department before they were moved into the different. I forget what they're over now, under now, but I think it's the same um, mm-hmm. Homeland Security mm-hmm. or something. But it used to be a part of the Treasury Department. What? Why do? Why does the Treasury Department need guns? Why does people who? Why does the FDA need guns? Why do they need SWAT teams? None of this makes any sense to me. But one thing that I wanted to ask you about, and this is completely off topic, so I'm sorry, but you mentioned that you were a raging neoconservative before you came to the dark side and joined us. Right. I came across probably the most disgusting yet entertaining story about a neoconservative I've seen in years the other day. And I need to know if you heard about it and what you think. And I'm going to tell you some details, and I told Kim I wasn't going to tell her until we recorded because I wanted her honest reaction. But did you hear about Lindsey Graham's most recent woes? I think I saw something about him, but I typically see Lindsey Graham and stop reading, so go ahead. Amen. (laughs) Okay, so Lindsey Graham is, I'm not even going to say ambiguously, clearly gay, and a couple of weeks ago, a bunch of um, male escorts decided that they were going to get on Twitter and start spilling the <laughs> beans about Lindsey Graham using their services. And I laughed. And then I kept reading. And I have to tell you about something called Lindsey Graham's Ladybugs. Do you want to hear this? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So when these guys were describing their time with Lindsey Graham, they talked about how he got up on the bed and uh, assumed the position. And one of them asked him to please wipe his rear end because it looked dirty. (laughs) And so he did so. And then the dirtiness still seemed to be there. And then Lindsey Graham replied, oh, those are moles. I call them my ladybugs. Shut up. Oh, no. Come, oh, no. <laughs> I will never think of a ladybug. Oh. Save in my head. I'll never forgive you. For- <laughs> oh, God. I read that and 
I was like, I'm starting an indie band called, uh, and they, also they called him Lady Graham. <laughs> and so I want to start a band called Lady Graham and the Ladybugs. <laughs> There's a joke about eating aphids, but we're just not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I just what? had to share that because I've forgotten yeah. to mention it like a million I, times in different shows where I'm like, this is, this is important <laughs> stuff. Oh my goodness. It's, wow. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry and you're welcome. Goodness. What haven't, what haven't wow. we covered yet? <laughs> Well, the one thing I wanted to talk about, though, is one day I'm going to have to get together with Suzanne, and we are going to make the prepper's guide for the ghetto people. All the ghetto folks that are stuck in crappy apartments, we're going to figure out. I'll tell you what, um, especially, you know, the, I have done some shows. I had somebody in, in New Jersey who said, I am just, I don't know what to do if, if from COVID we don't get the police. And I just laughed. I said, are you kidding me? She says, no, you don't understand. I can't protect myself out here. I'm in New Jersey. And I've actually done um, some articles about for people in, in the high rises. I wrote an article for Survival Dispatch, raising apartment livestock. So yes, if you're talking about the ghettos, people in the ghettos hmm. can actually have a replaceable, sustainable supply of meat. Rabbits, rats, guinea pigs. You can raise in your apartment, so yeah. we can we can talk about that. I would love it. Well, I like that. Sorry, Cam. I d I definitely just interrupted you. No, I I I don't think you did, but I can't remember what I was going to say next. <laughs> it it happens though. <laughs> but no, I mean this is ah, the world we live in is so bizarre and so like ironically beautiful in its hilarity. Because I don't like Donald Trump. Straight up, I hate so much of what he's done. I'm glad he hasn't right. gotten us any new in any new wars. But like we live in the timeline where we have the president of the United States regularly <laughs> trolling people on Twitter. And I don't think it gets more entertaining than that. And if people on the left or the more res the respectability Republicans think we're ever going back to what was happening before, they're out of their damn minds. There's no going back from this point, and it's going to be hilarious. And I'm very happy about the hilarity. Well, it's pretty much all we've got left, isn't it? <laughs> if this government is good for nothing else, enjoy oh, the boy. entertainment value while you can. I mean, that's how I try to maintain what is left of my sanity is to try and find the humor in some of this. But at the same time, when you go out and you see the people in the masks, I saw a woman out in Park City on a trail today, nobody around her within hundreds of yards other than cars with the mask on. <sighs> Why? I saw people draw, driving with masks. Yes, yes. I mean, for the, for the, the short time I had that went on, um, when I was getting my hair trimmed, I hated it. I hate it. And they did say that it causes oxygen deprivation. So maybe these people have lost a lot of brain cells and they keep doubling down. And what we're seeing now is now the states, I think it's New England states are having um, quarantine, 14 day quarantine for everybody going there. Who can travel with these states and take 14 days if they're not planning to be there for a long time? Right. One of the things that I just remembered that I wanted to say at the end of the defund the police conversation 
was, yeah. uh, I think I want, I absolutely want the police to be defunded. I agree with Kim. It's sad that we're at a point in our lives where the people who are supposed to help us are often the ones who do the most damage. But I want the defund the police to happen. But what I want in conjunction and at the exact same time as that is reinstitution of the Second Amendment. I want my guns to take care of myself. And two, I want these people to stop taxing me. Every dollar that I would have given to the police, I want freed up and in my pocket to pay for private services. Yeah, or, or be your own security, be your own 911 and have your, Absolutely. you know, have agreements with your neighbors. Clearly what we have right now needs a massive overhaul. I like the idea of taking it out of the government's hands. Unfortunately, defunding the police, I think you alluded to this earlier, it's just going to be another version of social services, child protective services, some other mental health services um, showing up. And they will be backed up by men with guns, policemen, police officers with guns who will, you know, who will take care of the situation. But I, I, on the other hand, too, they are being used for too many things. My mom, uh, she recently passed away. But when she was going through the dementia phase of her Parkinson's, I got a call out here and it was a police officer on the line. She had called 911 because she didn't feel safe because of her dementia. So she called and they had me talk her down. So I, I get that side of it. They're being used for too many things. But can't society handle some of their own problems? How many things can society do apart from having government agents with absolutely no accountability? Like we said, we talked about, you know, this, this, um, the, the, their, their immunity, qualified immunity. There's no accountability there. There's going to be accountability if there are private organizations or individuals working together to protect a community that the police don't have to answer to right now. Not to mention that if they defund the police, which are typically paid for locally, the feds are going to use that as a means to to centralize the force and to make everything yes. up to par. They're going to have a new a new department that takes care of all of police matters and and like uh, Andrew Yang a week or two ago said something about how there needs to be a federal agency that makes sure that p police are trained right and that they're mm -hmm. held accountable. If you don't think it ends in more centralization with the current leftist call for defunding the police, I can't help you. Well, and if you think about it too, the federalization, nationalization, I like to, is actually a more accurate term, even though it's not the one used, is really the reason we have these problems with civil asset forfeiture, equitable sharing, now, if you and I went and took, let's say, Kim's car, took it away from her and her money or guns or weed or whatever, and we split it up, that would be conspiracy. <laughs> you know, we'd be co-defendants. But when they do it, it's, it's equitable sharing. Yep. But I think I probably need to wrap this up so that people don't go, why are you talking so long again, Cam? It's been great. I everyone <laughs> else is interesting, but you need to shut the hell up, Cam. <laughs> but before we go... I want to know, is there anything that you are interested in sharing with us that you want people to look into with you? If you want to be reached, do you have a Twitter or some place where people can get to you? What's the best way to get more Suzanne Sherman content? I actually have a website, Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, C Sherman, S-H-E-R-M-A-N, middle initial C, uh, SuzanneCSherman.com. 
there's a way to reach me there. You can send me an email and you can read my published articles from 10th Amendment Center, Abbeville Institute, American Conservative. And then I also have a page with my self-published blogs. And also check out my podcast, The Red Hot Chili Prepper, C-H-I-L-L-Y Prepper, and The Wasatch Report. Those are both Facebook pages as well. And anybody that has questions with regards to preparedness, reach out and I'm happy to work with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Suzanne. I've been, like I said, I've been trying to do this for three years and let's do it again when the shit hits the fan even more so that we can talk about what's going on at that point. Oh, I'd love to. I so enjoy <laughs> both of you. Yeah, I'd love to do this on a regular basis, whatever works for you. I appreciate it. I'd love it. Um, if you want to reach my good friend, Kim Shang, hit her up on Twitter. Just type in, li- she's like me, just type in lesbertarian. I love Throw that. Throw Gmail at the end. <laughs> it'll get to her. Uh, lesbertarian on Twitter, Instagram. That's where you'll find Kim. For me, just type in this is MLGA. This is MLGA at gmail.com if you really like Gmail. As always, thank you guys for listening, and uh, do your best to stay sane.